everybody. Welcome to another episode of Classic Gaming Brothers. I'm Zach. And I'm Seth. We're the Classic Gaming Brothers. That's right. We are the Classic Gaming Brothers. That's right. We are. And it's uh, episode 102. That's right. More importantly, it's the episode after we've gotten back from Retro World Expo. We were very busy last weekend uh, going through Retro World Expo, which was a uh, a really great fun time that we're going to spend this entire episode talking about. So hold on to your seats because we're going to talk about our experience at Retro World Expo. This is a follow-up to our episode 99 where we talked about going to Retro World Expo. We did a pre-pod now it's post-pod a shout out to uh, uh lance and chris over at the retro world expo team for throwing a great expo yeah they, they did a great job organizing as well as all the other volunteers yeah and as well as everybody members. else who worked there we've only talked yeah. to lance and chris so those yeah. are the only guys that we we know but thanks for throwing a great expo and uh once again we're gonna we'll get into it after we talk about games that we've been recently been playing that's right yeah so uh zach do you want to go first sure recently i've actually been playing a game that i i kind of picked up at retro world expo so i picked up a couple of game boy multi-carts a multi-cart is a pretty much always bootleg cartridge that contains multiple games i picked up a, a couple of bootleg multi-carts two game boy ones a famicom one and two ds ones the ds ones don't work but they looked cool so i grabbed them but the uh, game boy one i've actually been kind of popping in and playing every now and then and a game i've been playing on it is the amazing spider-man the amazing spider-man uh, was a game that originally came out in 1990 it was developed by rare and published by ljn uh, ljn is kind of a notorious developer and publisher they created a lot of licensed games for various consoles and a lot of the games they made are bad this game is also i don't know it wasn't bad it's just it's it's very uh very simple it is a game boy game but in it you play as spider-man and it's kind of like a side scrolling beat-em-up where you're just kind of walking and punching bad guys who come at you you and uh you can you can shoot web at them so there is a web functionality though it requires you to hold the b button to shoot a like blast of web it's not like a stream of web you shoot like almost like a bullet of web and if you double jump you'll swing however don't recommend swinging because when i started swinging i got like bombarded by enemies who were like popping out of windows and trying to hit me with baseball bats so that was awful and the first level at least ends with you fighting Mysterio and he's tough he'll turn into like fog and he'll like bounce around the screen and when the fog hits you it just like multiplies damage you get essentially stun locked and it just like damage 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 and then you die <laughs> it's, it's it's really annoying but um it was just one of the games i wanted to try out on the multi-cart that i found um it's actually on both multi-carts that i have um i got this yellow multi-cart uh, i'll post a picture or i already did post a picture of this on instagram so you can check out our instagram but uh, uh there's a yellow one called 104 in one it's full color sam gb collection i don't know what sam means but it says sam on here and then the other one is this gray cart and it says 27 and 1 on this really faded label and you can just kind of make out the label itself which has a list of the 27 games with their english names and then the chinese names so it's the name written in chinese though i'm pretty sure some of these english names are wrong 
long. But in any case, I have these multi carts now and they do work nicely in uh, an original Game Boy and they should work in like a Game Boy player and stuff like that. So uh, kind of a cheap way to play multiple games if you want on the go. That may or may not work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the DS ones, I decided I wanted to do a little investigative work to see why they might not be working. So I popped one open and it was very corroded on the inside. So I'm thinking that might be why it doesn't work. I cleaned it and I stuck it back into my DS and it did load a menu, but it looks like the file system is corrupted now. So I don't know what that's all about. The other one that I got doesn't fit properly in the DS card slot. Like it fits, but it gets stuck. And it's definitely for DS. Like it is a DS card. It's just thick. So I took it apart and it's the reason it's thick is because there's literally a micro SD card hard soldered to the board on the inside, which is sketchy. Now this micro SD SD card is a two gigabyte micro SD card and I'm pretty sure this cartridge says it contains 128 games on one cartridge. I am 99% certain that that number is a lie. It probably contains like three DS games and maybe a bunch of Nintendo like NES games <laughs> to like fill games. up that space or Game Boy games um, using like an emulator or something to fill up that space. Maybe someday I'll try to like desolder that SD card and like run a virtual machine and stick it in there and see if it works because I don't want to like I don't know what's on there I don't want to potentially like infect a computer but so uh yeah maybe I'll pop it in uh, after I desolder it and uh, we'll take a look on the inside and and see what games are hiding in the cart I've been recently been playing Pool of Radiance and not of Radiance, the 2001 Ubisoft game. I've been playing the 1987 SSI Gold Box game. And we actually did talk about Gold Box games back in episode 28 of Classic Gaming Brothers Lore, uh, where we talk about the publisher and developer SSI, Strategic Simulations Incorporated. So my recent time playing Pool of Radiance was uh, ultimately very frustrating. So for a record, uh, Pool of Radiance is a DOS-based video game and was very early DOS as it came out in 1987. This game is just a little bit younger than I am and the interface is tough to deal with in modern day gaming to the point that when you want to move down in the menu you don't push the up and down arrows which would make the most sense. You push the home or the end key, depending on whether you want to go up or down. That's gross. Yeah. And then uh, when you want to select things, you have to push the corresponding letter that's assigned to that key. So for example, if I wanted to make my character, I may have to push like enter, home, home, enter, and then YN if I want to select things, yes or no. And then if I wanted to change like their body um, in their portrait, I might have to push B for body. And then if I wanted to change their head in their portrait, I might have to push H and N for next, P for previous. So it kind of just play with the whole entire keyboard. But interestingly enough, the game eventually moves into first person perspective where the arrow keys control your movement. So I don't understand why in the menu you have to be driven by the home and N key since the arrow keys work fine for other functions of the game. So I'm just going to regale you on my last time playing the game. I'm probably going to have to uh, unfortunately restart it. So I spent 
spent a majority of my time creating characters. You have to create six different characters who are going to become your basis of your party. And this is second edition Dungeons and Dragons rules. You have a, a few smattering standard races, dwarf, halfling, humans, elves, half-elves, and then various classes, cleric, fighter, mage, magic user, or thief. Uh, and the non-humans can be multiple classes, and the humans, though, can get to be higher level than the non-humans. It's also very 1980s, as in, like, the recommendation is to have male fighters because males will be stronger. Like, the females cannot gain a certain amount of strength. <laughs> they have a penalty to their strength in the game, like, built in. So if you want to have a fighter to optimize the game, you'd want to have a male fighter. So I created a, a smattering of characters. I think I actually made a female half-elf fighter. I don't know. I had three fighters, a cleric, a mage, and a thief. And I went off into my adventure where you start in the town of Fan or Flan. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And they give you a tour. What's great is the tour is like it drives you through the town. There's no map that I could find, but it literally just rides you through town. They're like, this is the temple. If you're injured, come here. And then you just run past the temple and you're just like in first person perspective in this tiny little window because there's like all of your other stats going on in the other side of like around the screen. It's kind of like playing in a box. And it, the tour drives you through the town and then drops you off and they're like okay uh you could go into the city hall and you can get commissions so i was like great so i went into the city hall and they're like you don't have any awards to give you i'm like yeah we just showed up they're like but here are some things that you could do and i'm like great I went to the temple and you enter into the temple and, and the, the people who greet you are like, oh, do you need healing? There's a yes or no. And if you say no, it says you must leave immediately. And then it, it <laughs> just kicks you out of the temple. So you can't even like hang out. But in the city hall, so the walls and the doors look the same and you can get turned around pretty easily and you can head towards the wrong direction. And I did that. And I went to the direction where there is like the council chamber of the uh, city guards. And they said, you're not allowed here. Do you want to leave? And you can either say yes or no. And I said yes a bunch of times. And then one of the times I said no. And they murdered me. All of the city guards just killed my entire party. I think we did fight one combat though before we got murdered by a bunch of people. But uh, yeah, everyone died and I had to quit. And that was my time with Pool of Radiance. I spent two and a half hours doing that, of which I would say a majority of that time was spent building the characters. Nice. To then immediately die by the town guards because I didn't leave the hallway. So, yeah, Pool of Radiance. Pool of Radiance. It's a fun game. You can you can get on God, good old games. But once again, just remember that uh the keys might not be something you are familiar with. Yeah. So let's uh let's get into talking about Retro World Expo. So Seth and I spent a weekend down in Hartford, Connecticut, checking out Retro World Expo, which is a video game convention as we as we've talked about a few times. It was a pretty fun time that we had. That's right. We did, however, before we went to Retro World Expo, we went to some comic book shops on the way out. 
because we may be retro gamers, video gamers, people who like the video game, but we also like comics. We're also just nerds. Uh, so yeah, so we stopped by a couple of comic books and hobby stores, and we got some stuff, so we're going to talk about that briefly. We went to Wonderland Comics in Putnam, Connecticut. Yeah, great place. They're a really good comic book store if you're in the area. They're also worth a little bit of a drive. They are very clean and organized, and if you are looking for something... It's very easy to determine if they have it. Yeah. Everything is like clearly merchandise. They carry a lot of comics. They also have a large Dungeons & Dragons set. They also have some other miniature games. They have some action figures. They definitely have a, a spread of stuff. And they have uh, board games. So if you're interested in any of those things, they're always worth a visit to see what they have. It's always very professionally merchandised and organized. There we got on their Instagram as they shared our journey going across crossed a retro world expo and I, I bought a comic i bought reptilian by garth ennis which is a, a batman comic yeah and we also got coffee at the chubby dog located right next door which was delicious yeah and the chubby dog is is really kind of a fitting place to go if you're on your way to wonderland because not only is it right next door but it's also kind of a nerdy little coffee shop they have a bunch of like star wars power rangers teenage mutant ninja turtles memorabilia on the walls there's a GameCube in the corner it's just kind of a nerdy place to go and you can definitely see i think the influence of being located next to a comic book store for these guys but yeah wonder, uh, that was wonderland comics and chubby dog uh, over in putnam connecticut and they're they're right on the main street right in the center of town after that seth and i took a little bit of a drive to uncanny collectibles in danielson connecticut danielson's not super far from putnam and uncanny collectibles is a neat little comic video game like collectible shop i mean as the name in- implies it kind of had a little bit of everything it had a lot of comic books it had a lot of uh video games a lot of dvds there were some um, uh, you know, on-card Star Wars figures. There was some Funko Pops. There was posters and stuff. Just a whole kind of smorgasbord of items that you could find and buy if you wanted to. I actually picked up a couple of Sonic comics because I love Sonic comics and I'm a Sonic comic collector. So I picked up a couple that I was missing that I was uh, interested in having in my collection. Issues three and four. And I also picked up a copy of one of the super specials which was a reprint of issue 50 which was kind of the the big deal they called it end game uh, and yes they did it before marvel did cool little comics to find stuff that i was looking for so it was nice to add those to my collection after we left uncanny collectibles who also has a print shop business called uncanny creation we then traveled onwards and we went to manchester connecticut and we stopped in at the portal and also the time machine the portal is a more of a war game card shop so you can buy your like collectible card games like magic or you can buy your like star wars figures for the star wars miniatures game there was also like a lot of warhammer is what the portal primarily does as well they have a big warhammer community there though i bought some uh reaper miniatures since i also paint figures so i bought some reaper miniatures and then uh we uh poked around the time machine which generally has scale model trains and like more modeling hobby stuff which we didn't buy anything from there and then we had our final stop our final stop was uh a hero's legacy comics and collectibles located also in manchester the hero's legacy comics and collectibles was a 
a tiny little comic book store, but tiny mostly just in terms of like square footage. The actual contents of the store, I say, were, were pretty, they, they had a good amount of stuff, I would say. They're also one of those stores that um, I thought was very well organized. You know, everything was easy to find. You know, I was looking for a certain thing. I found it right away sort of deal. I picked up a couple of Amalgam comics, which I've been getting really into the Amalgam series. Uh, for those who don't know, back in like the 90s, Marvel and DC did a crossover where they had their characters fight. And then for like a period of time, there was this thing called Amalgam, which was Marvel DC kind of merging. So there were characters like uh, Spider-Boy, who is a combination of Ben Riley, Spider-Man, and Superboy. Um, there's also a version of Wonder Woman that's a combination of Storm and Wonder Woman. There's a version of Doctor Strange and, and Doctor Fate called Doctor Strange Fate. And, uh, you know, that sort of deal. It's uh, kind of a combination of uh, characters that kind of go together, which would make sense to kind of merge them. But it, it leads for some interesting storylines. So I picked up a few of those. I picked up a uh, comic called Bruce Wayne, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. I picked up a Spider-Boy comic, and I also picked up Lobo the Duck, a combination of Howard the Duck and Lobo, which is a very bizarre combination, but a combination nonetheless. And then we made our way down to Hartford and we got checked into the hotel. We set up uh, a retro pie so that we could play some video games. Right. And uh, we had issues with the audio, but we eventually got it working. And then our father met up with us and we went to Bear Smokehouse right up the street from the convention center where we had some really delicious barbecue. That's right. And we played NBA Jam and I beat Zach as I as I usually do. Yes, yes, yes. Seth, uh, I, I am Seth the superior NBA Jam player. He's the NBA Jammer. Yeah, pretty the much semi professional. Semi professional. Now, uh, to get to the the fun part is we we went to the convention on Saturday. Our the expo. I would say definitely Retro World Expo is more of an expo than a convention. There are far more dealers than like special guests. Like if you go to Rhode Island Comic Con, there's like million special guests. But Retro World is really more for those who are collectors and like really into retro gaming and i think another thing is that where if you go to like a comic convention or a convention like anime boston there are traditionally a lot of panels and retro world expo there are panels but a lot of the panels are like meet and greets and stuff like that with some of the guests which isn't a bad thing for sure it's just something that i don't think seth and i were really super after you know there were a couple of uh special guests we would have liked to have met just to uh, get some time to talk to we weren't really like set on like if we if we didn't talk to him we were like brokenhearted sort of deal so we weren't really in line for too many of the the panels not that that's a problem we kind of ended up spending just more time i think on the floor itself because there was a lot to see we were able to see both um possum house games and killer gin both of these i think we talked about in our excited about seeing episode possum house was really cool they have a, a upcoming game called pig tank where you play as a pig in a tank it's it's got some very interesting game mechanics involving like heat seeking rockets and like it's got a metal slug vibe to it for sure yeah um, so your character's yeah. got a shotgun then he also can or the pig can also get into the tank and the character has the ability to shoot heat seeking rockets well they're like more like targeted rockets and you can move the target so you can move the rockets in real time it's like metal slug if it was a puzzler there's like walls that you have to like open up and you can only open them up with these rockets and so you're like trying to maneuver these rockets around to get them through these walls we played two levels 
and not the tutorial because I told Zach we don't play tutorials. We played uh, what, the first level, which was very much a puzzler type level, and then a second level that was more of like a metal slug shoot 'em level. And it was uh, a lot of fun. It was a good time. They were very nice people, and we may have them on the show, perhaps in an indie dev lounge episode. Then we also got to meet the Killer Gen team. When I was talking about the Killer Gen back in our pre-convention pod, I alluded to, I think, their base game, which is just called the Killer Gen, and it's like an RPG game that has some farming and like relationship elements similar to like Stardew Valley. However, what they were demoing was actually different. What they were demoing was Killer Gen Battle Arcade, which uh, looks like it takes the characters from their pre-existing game, Killer Gen, and uh, throws them all into like a Battle Royale 2D classic Mario style fighting game. Um, So Seth and I got to sit down and we played that. We were actually just like walking past the booth and it was like maybe an hour or so from when the first day was going to close and the the devs were sitting there and they said, hey, you want to play a game? And we're like, yeah, we got nothing to do. So we sat down and we uh, we played a couple of rounds with them and they were really good with showing us, you know, how the game works, things you could do with it. They actually made fun of me because I picked, I guess, one of the worst characters in the game, but I still won a couple of rounds. But yeah, that was a uh, Killer Gin Battle Arcade, which is available, uh, I believe, on Steam now as a demo, um, though. Certainly uh, check them out and, uh, you know, give it a try. We were also joined at the expo with our friend, who is also a friend of the show, Jim, who is Evil Jim X on uh, Twitch. He is a um, Twitch affiliate who we, we met up with. And we really just tackled the expo with him. He introduced us to a, a partner Twitch streamer, Slackinator, and a publisher by the name of 8-Bit Steve. He, 8-Bit Steve worked with Slackinator to uh, write a, uh, a series of guides called The Easy Way, where they are very descriptive guides on how to beat hard NES games, since both Slackinator and 8-Bit Steve are big NES guys, as is Evil Jim X. Uh, though Evil Jim X is a, a big 3DO guy. <laughs> 3DO is like uh, Evil Jim's uh, thing. So all of these guys definitely deserve a, a follow on Twitch, and they are far more active than we are. And we will be having uh, Evil Jim X on the show to talk about the 3DO, which will be fun. And we will be looking to have uh, Slackinator and 8-Bit Steve on to talk about some other things in the future. So it was really nice. Um, we spent a lot of time talking with these guys. Um, we hung out with uh, Jim pretty much the entire show. And uh, it was it was good to really see people in person again, which was a, a lot of fun. Definitely give them a follow, give them a watch, and definitely check out Evil Jim's uh, Twitch. He plays a lot of games like Time Cop, and uh, I think he also does some kind of speed running as well. So um, certainly... Uh, check him out but yeah we 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 wandered around a bit pretty much on day one kind of just looking around at things that we were interested in buying we did pick up a couple of things off the bat i ended up getting uh, a couple of tiger electronics games and uh yeah which ones did you get again so on saturday i picked up ninja fighter by tiger electronics which is i haven't i haven't really even tried it out yet but it's like it, it looks kind of like a knockoff of like ninja gaiden it's certainly 
Um, it's certainly something. But the the real piece de resistance that I, I picked up is the Sonic the Hedgehog 2 Tiger Electronics game from 1992, which is like, it, I just love it. It has like the Sonic Hedgehog 2 artwork and the, the level you play. I think it's supposed to be Oil Ocean. It's Tiger Electronics, so they're not like anything to write home about. But uh, finding those at the convention was something that I was really happy. That was something that was kind of on my mental list for things I wanted to snag was like Tiger Electronics games. I was like down to just buy like one of the more recent reproduction, I guess, style ones from Hasbro, but to find like original Tiger Electronics games from the 90s, I was like, really excited besides stuff that we bought though i mean saturday i think was just mostly a day of like wandering around and checking things out um our dad ended up joining us for part of the con and we ended up going to lunch with him at a place called Bon me and uh we hung out a lot with jim we also met a couple of different content creators that we kind of just ran into while walking around so we got to see um only true gamers which is a, a podcast um they were setting up actually for doing like live recording at the convention so uh, we really didn't get to talk to them super long because they were like literally pulling their microphones out of their like suitcases and stuff when we when we showed up and the other podcast that we did get to also talk to was late to the game which is hosted by a uh, youtuber called uh, son of a fitch f-i-t-c-h and uh, they were wicked nice they uh, they chatted with us for a bit and they took our cards and um, we we um, were certainly happy happy to get to talk to them we also uh talked with a, the host of a youtube sh- series called peg warmers we had a brief conversation with metal jesus who was there. <laughs> yeah uh yeah he's metal jesus is a very busy guy so uh metal jesus if you're listening don't worry we weren't offended by the fact that you uh were in the middle of recording while we said hi but uh yeah he was he was walking around he was actually filming i think i assume his video that's gonna go be, be up on his channel probably by this weekend so who knows if you look carefully maybe you'll see two classic gaming brothers in the background so our our chief meme poster is uh very much into the retro scene but was unable to make it to retro world expo so i went with a shopping list i bought him a original pokemon yellow cartridge since he is very much so into pokemon right now i also got him two ps1 memory cards since his memory card is corrupted for his playstation and i got him something from tom ryan's studio which is something that he was not expecting, but it was a NES cartridge that said, blow me on it. And what he would do is he would blow on the cartridge and it would be a mystery game when he plugged it into his NES. I don't actually think you need to blow on it. I think it's just a a ROM dump on an NES cartridge. I think it's a labelless. I think it was like a damaged cartridge that they just relabeled. So yeah, that's uh, Tom, Tom Ryan Studio. Uh, he's on Etsy. So if you want to purchase your own Blow Me cartridge, you can buy it and he'll ship it to your house. Shipping, I think, is out into the middle of November, it looks like. But um, in case you're looking for a Christmas present for somebody, he also does enamel pins and has some other art. And speaking of art, we also ran into Paul Simic, S-I-M-I-C, who does some cool, like, fantasy artwork. Um, so I actually bought a D&D related shirt, which had like, um, the dragon motif symbol on it, but instead of it being filled in, it was like 
like a dungeon cross section, which is kind of cool. I always like any cross section. I'm just a sucker for. I walked over to his booth and I looked up and I was like, "Yeah, I'm gonna buy that." And uh, I'm, we're we're glad that we ran into him. Um, but he is. Uh, you can go find his stuff at paulsimic.com for his store. And I believe he's also on Etsy. Not too far from Paul Simic was actually another booth that we we spent a little bit of time at, and that was Premium Edition. Uh, Premium Edition is a games publisher that um, they publish indie games for the Nintendo Switch. Um, and Seth and I actually both picked up the same game from them, Pigeon Dev Game Collection, which is a collection of short indie games all done in a retro style. So there, there are four different games on the Pigeon Devs Collection cartridge. Um, awesome P, Awesome P2, P spelled P-E-A, like the vegetable, Bucket Knight, and Explosive Jake. And these come on a legit Switch cartridge in a beautiful Switch case um, that actually comes with its own NES-style slipcover that you can, you know, slide it in and um, have it nicely displayed. Uh, one of the cooler things, though, is that each of their games come with a challenge card on the inside. So if you beat the challenge and prove that you have beaten the challenge and send them the proof, uh, they'll actually send you a patch, um, like an like a patch that you can sew onto a jacket. So I think that's wicked cool. Um, such a great idea. We're really happy to meet them. Fun fact, uh, one of the games on the collection uses music by Roll Music, who is the the, the musician for this podcast. Uh, Seth actually was surprised to hear our theme playing in one of those games, which was funny. Uh, but, um, you know, that happens when you're using music that is uh, uh, Creative Commons. So right. I guess going over some of the other things that we bought, which um, we, we, we don't want to, we're going to probably put out something showing off some more of the stuff that we got i also picked up some speaking of pokemon games i picked up some like bootleg repro carts of uh the different pokemon games what's a repro cart a repro cart is a reproduction cartridge so a cartridge that has been recently made of a previously released game sometimes this is a game that is available in english or it is available uh in the north american market but has uh maybe it's hard to find um, this could also be a, a game that was only released in maybe the European or Japanese markets and maybe was translated into English by fans and then put onto a cartridge. Uh, this could also be like an unlicensed game that's getting kind of new life as a as a new cartridge. Um, so that's usually what we refer to by as a reproduction or a repro cart. But these are three of the Pokemon games, uh, Pokemon Blue, Pokemon Red and Pokemon Gold. And I got these from a booth called uh, TCG Oddities. Uh, now, TCG Oddities is primarily a kind of a collector and a seller of misprint and error cards, miscuts, misaligns, blank fillers, beta prototypes, that sort of stuff. So they kind of specialize in oddities of collectibles, um, specifically trading cards and the Pokemon trading card games. So it was kind of fitting that they had a bunch of these reproduction cartridges um, for a really good price. I got three for 10. I thought that was a great deal because because these games can run for a pretty penny these days and I just want to be able to play them. I'm not really interested in the value of owning an original cartridge. As long as they work, that's that's fine with me. I don't mind owning a reproduction copy of a Pokemon game. Now, um, speaking of reproduction cartridges though, I also picked up a game from 
Guerrilla Games, which is located up in Raymond, New Hampshire. Now, Guerrilla Games, they're just a regular retro video game store, but the uh, owner also sells some reproduction cartridges, especially at conventions. I picked up a copy of Shin Megami Tensei If, which is a Japanese-only release RPG game, part of the Shin Megami Tensei series, which we did get here in America, and I don't think we've ever talked about, but this is a a series of uh, RPG games that are really popular, um, and they actually spinned off into the Persona series, which is also incredibly popular. And Shin Megami Tensei If is the like precursor to Persona. It's the game that essentially inspired Persona. And um, it's pretty much a high school version of the Shin Megami Tensei world. And that's where you get Persona from. And uh, those are some of the like reproduction cartridges I got outside of the bootleg carts that I found. The uh, multi-carts, you could say. So apart from the things that we already talked about that we are, that I I bought such as the game from Premium Edition and the t-shirt from Paul Simic. I also picked up a sealed uh, limited edition of Black Sad, which is a game that I've talked about previously on both a Byway Pass and a recently played. It's a detective noir game. I picked it up for the Switch. It came with some postcards and the game itself and a uh, one of those a lenticular image, so it's like a hologram of... Uh, black sad uh, himself so that was nice i picked that up and then i found probably my two favorite finds oh i love these i think my finding experience was the best so we were at a a dealer booth that we already been to a couple of times and it's actually the one we went with uh evil jim x and evil jim was determining whether or not he needed to buy an n64 which he ultimately did um he wanted to buy an out-of-box n64 and while zach and evil jim were looking at n64 cartridges and going back and forth about buying the n64 my eyes were kind of wandering around and i saw tabletop board games and a gold box edition of gateway to the savage frontier which is uh, a game by ssi similar to my recently played so i went over and they they wanted a lot for the gold box savage frontier game but behind it were these board games and they had a dungeon and dragons board game by tsr one of the original ones that were more designed about kind of like um they're simplified and more kind of like a gateway to D type game which i was not really interested in but i saw in that stack a dark sun box and i was racking my brain being like is this dark sun the shattered lands like is this the og box like that'd be awesome Awesome if I could find that. So I pulled out some of their board games that they had and I pulled out Dark Sun and I I come to find that it is the original Dark Sun collection pen and paper for the campaign setting uh, for second edition. And I was like, oh, this is awesome. I own at home uh, one of the modules uh, for Dark Sun. So I was like, oh, this will be perfect. I could just put it all together as a nice little collection. I like old D&D materials, so I, I go out to collect them, but I also don't like to overpay. So this was 50 bucks and online uh, there were bids on it for 150, 200 bucks. So I was like, yeah, this is a good buy. And then on the way out, I was just going through because I thought if they had this box, they might have some other cool paper goods. And so they had a couple of bins underneath their tables that had like Nintendo Power magazines. And I just started going through them. And in them, I found an old X-Men look and find buy the look and find books, uh, licensed by Marvel Comics, copyrighted 1992. 
and it is beautiful. It is the artwork is just 90s X-Men. I I love 90s X-Men styling. I think it's my ultimate like type of X-Men art that I like. So I I I bought that for $5. It was very exciting. At the booth right next door, I actually picked up a couple other things that I I was looking for. Um specifically, I picked up a copy of Sonic 2 for the Sega Mega Drive. Now, um I actually own two boxed copies of Sonic 2 apparently. I own a not for resale version and a standard retail version, but I didn't own a PAL copy. So I bought a PAL copy, the Mega Drive PAL copy. Uh, And it is CIB complete in box. It is the box, the game and the manual. And it's the, the European copy. So it's all in different languages. It's really, really cool. And I actually had been wanting either a PAL or Japanese NTSC copy of Sonic 2. So I found the PAL. Now I just need to get myself the Japanese copy and then I'll have my Sonic the Hedgehog 2 various regions collection. Um, though I still need to find like the the obscure ones like the South Korean release and stuff. The two games that I am most happy I found was actually over back at Guerrilla Games. Uh, back at the Guerrilla Games booth, I found, and I was really happy to find these, were the were the two games that I had been looking for uh, when I got to Retro World Expo. You see, I got to Retro World Expo, and I had a goal in mind, and that was I wanted to find Joe Montana and Joe Montana 2. The two football games for the Sega Genesis that I have wanted, the only sports games I've ever been actively looking for, And that's because they are hilarious. Joe Montana and Joe Montana 2 are just two generic sports games, but the covers for them, these are two separate games, are near identical photos of Joe Montana tossing a football. And I think that is hilarious to me. I don't know why. I just really get a kick out of it. So I found them. They were they're in a bin of like uh it was like buy four for twenty or so or buy four for ten, I think was something it was something really uh like a really good deal at Gorilla Games that they had. Um so I grabbed Joe Montana, Joe Montana two, and I actually bought Assassin's Creed three and Assassin's Creed Brotherhood for PlayStation three along with it, just kind of round off that collection. Two of the last things I ended up getting were um Sonic the Hedgehog one for the game gear, just because I was missing it. And I, I'm I would like to get a complete game gear collection someday of sonic games just sonic games really the the other cool thing that i found which was really just kind of a spontaneous grab for me was wacky world's creative studio for the sega genesis now wacky world's creative studio is this like mario paint knockoff where like mario paint is like mario themed and you get to draw and make music Wacky World's Creative Studio is Sega themed, so it has like Sonic in it, it has Echo, the Dolphin, and I actually own Wacky World's Creative Studio. I own a copy of this game already, but I wanted this copy because it was not only in the box with the manual, but it came with the Sega Mouse, which is, I love obscure peripherals so much, and the Sega Mouse to me is just one of those obscure, stupid peripherals. It's compatible with like 20 games officially uh, for the system. And it's not even compatible with Dune, which is like, I thought it'd be compatible with Dune Battle for Arrakis because that's an RTS. Nope, it's not compatible with Dune, the RTS game. I don't think it's even compatible with Hershog's Way, the other RTS game for the Sega. So whatever, I'm going to uh, check out 
Wacky Worlds with the mouse, and I'm also going to download a couple of ROM hacks that make use of it. And it, it was a pretty good price too. You got it? I did. You get it for like thirty bucks? Yeah, I got it for thirty. Yeah. So there are people that are selling the just the mouse out of box for forty to seventy dollars. Yeah. And the thing that you got the uh, complete in box Wacky Worlds with the mouse selling for eighty five dollars. Yeah. So, yeah. No, it was a pretty a, good deal. It was a great deal, and. You know, it was one of those things that I saw and I was kind of hemming and hawing about it. And then I opened it and saw that mouse and I was like, oh, I got to get this. This is like a better deal than I thought it would be. So, uh, yeah. Maybe Santa Claus will bring you things so you can display your Joe Montana game. Be still my heart. Well, I think that's going to be it for today's main part of the episode. We'll go into our Byway Pass segment. As you may know, uh, we now do a different Byway Pass than we used to. We uh, we look up each other's games. We're not exactly sure how we're going to do a Byway Pass with a guest um, we may go back to the old standard format or we, we may try to sell the guest on an idea we don't know we'll talk to the guests and see how they want to do it but I'm but it's also weird with three people anyway we'll figure something out uh, but today I'm gonna go over uh, the game that I have for you Zach and uh, first I'm gonna tease the game this game is an all-new adventure and this game is full of slaps <laughs> where you will uh, face many enemies and you will beat them up all with slaps are you interested I, I am interested in slaps you're interested in slaps what's this game called this game is called asterisk oblix slaps the ball <laughs> now zach's we're gonna cut away while zach researches the game <laughs> And we're back. So Seth provided me with the game Asterix and Obelix Slap Them All uh, based on the French comic series Asterix and Obelix. We actually talked about Asterix and Obelix kind of recently. I talked about because I was playing Asterix and Obelix and the Great Rescue for the Sega Genesis. Asterix and Obelix is this French series comic series about uh, a village in ancient Gaul, which is ancient France, uh, and this village is defending itself from the Romans because they have a magic potion. Asterix and Obelix, Slap Them All, is a is a new game coming out by Mr. Nuts Studio and being uh, published by Microids. And it looks kind of cool. It's got kind of a, almost like, I almost want to call it like a Cuphead style of animations. It almost looks like hand-drawn sprites. I don't know if it is, but it's got, it does have kind of a hand-drawn sprite aesthetic to it so uh, this game looks fun i'm gonna put it down as a weight just because historically asterix and obelix games have not done very well in the recent years so uh, I, I certainly want to uh give this the opportunity to be released and, and see how it's gonna how it's gonna fare um, with the uh, with the early reviews, but it's due out November twenty fifth, so that's a that's going to be a wait for me. So Seth, your game is also a beat 'em up. You're playing as brothers. Uh, you're playing as a you're playing as a close knit family as you single handedly take down a crime cartel pretty much by hand. Uh, though you do have the assistance of a uh, local cable reporter to to help you out, and and you guys climb into your van and you you have to fight this criminal cartel what's the name of the game this game is called teenage mutant ninja turtles shredder's revenge oh well we're gonna only break momentarily and we're back 
I am uh, very excited about this game coming out. It is uh, like the um, reinvigoration of the arcade, um, which I was a, a big fan of. I'm a big fan of most beat-em-up arcade games, specifically the X-Men Simpsons and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And not in that order, actually. X-Men, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, then Simpsons. So, and this is like um, a modernization of this. And I've actually talked about this game with the friend of the show, Mike Case, who was on many, many years ago in episode 45, who is a toy collector and YouTuber and also has a podcast called The Black Series Cantina. But we we talked about this game at length because we were both excited about having this game coming out. So I'm very excited and I will be putting this down as a buy. Ooh. And we will be probably talking about this game uh, possibly in the near future. Yeah, whenever it drops. I think it's currently like to be released soon. I don't know if uh, it has Well, a date. we may have a special guest when, on when we talk about this when we talk about this game. Look forward to a future episode where we talk about this game and we may have an additional voice on the podcast to help us talk about this game and be excited about it Um, but yeah so definitely a buy on the good old teenage mutant ninja turtles um so that's gonna be our show so we did get some uh feedback in regards to our end segment which is where we do our call to action where we tell you about how to um listen to us support us and contact us so we wanted to speed things along and you guys let us know if you want to go back to the standard lengthy one but probably everyone will appreciate brevity we're available on all podcasting apps so go ahead search for us if you need a a different way to listen to us you can contact us by sending us an email to classicgamingbrothers at gmail.com we also have a website which is classicgamingbrothers.com we have many socials uh we have a our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitch are all at Classic Gaming Brothers, and our Twitter is CG Brothers Pod. Please give us a follow, a like, and a, um, and ring all, all those bells. And you could support us by rating us on iTunes or uh, wherever, whatever listening application you use. You can rate us, give us a, a heart, follow, comment. But ultimately, we just like having people listen to us. Uh, so that's how you can do those things. Uh, is there anything else that I'm missing, Zach? Don't play games like my brother. And don't play games like my brother. I've been Zach. And I've been Seth. And we've been the Classic Gaming Brothers. That's right. right. Mm, I'm very excited about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah.